Welcome to the Chapman CG Podcast, inspiring and informative conversations with top HR leaders from around the world. It's ironic that HR leaders spend so much time thinking about the career growth development of the individuals they support, but oftentimes neglect their own. I'm here with Sue Gannon, Vice President Human Resources Americas and Global Marketing at Beam Suntory to discuss the importance for HR leaders to gain a diverse background of experiences. Welcome, Sue. Thank you very much for, uh, for taking time. Thank you so much for having me. Not a problem at all. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your role at Beam Suntory? Absolutely, I'd love to. So like you uh, said, I'm the Vice President of Human Resources for the Americas region and global marketing. So uh, I look after all of uh, the HR function across the um, Americas commercial business, which includes the United States, Canada, and Central and South America. And my primary role in that position is really the partnership with our regional president and then having a full stance of uh, responsibilities across the HR function for that commercial business. I also look after global marketing, which is primarily around partnering with our global uh, global chief marketing officer and the global marketing function. And, uh, and that takes my role out into the global remit and regions and looks at, and I really look at brand building and marketing talent and marketing capabilities across all uh, all parts of the Beam Suntory business. Would you be able to tell us then about some of the unique challenges that HR leaders face within the premium spirits industry? Sure. I, I, I think that this is a very complex and different business globally for multiple different reasons. And first and foremost, the way that liquor and alcohol beverage, and particularly spirits, is distributed around the world is very, very different. For example, in the United States, following prohibition, the government here decided that liquor, uh, and in particular spirits liquor, could only be distributed through a third party. So then it could never be a direct relationship between a supplier and a customer. Now, in terms of talent and from an HR perspective, you've then, the way that you build your organization, you're building with the for example, the sales capability, when they're not necessarily selling to a customer, what they're doing is influencing a distributor partner to buy in product and then deplete that product out to a customer. You've then got to, you've got to influence at the other end of that, of that chain, of that value chain, to the customer of which you can't be seeing, you can't sell to, but you have to right. influence for yeah. them to work with the distributor. So, and that's just one country within our, within our entire global remit. Um, so it's very, very different to the food industry. We, typically we get compared to CPG when it comes to talent. The challenge and the complexity in our business is really in the route to market distribution model, which differs in every country around the world. And therefore, finding folks that have an ability to kind of think through, real critical thinkers who can first and foremost kind of understand and wrap their head around that distribution model. And whether you're in Germany or Austria or in Spain working with a third party distributor, um, a joint venture partner, or whether you're in Australia and you're working with the Coca-Cola Amateur Company, you, you, the ability to kind of lift up and think about multiple different distribution models is really important mm. of which so often it doesn't exist in a CPG landscape. So I think that's that's probably one of the major challenges. The other one I would tell you, uh, Alan, is that it's a highly consolidated and highly competitive industry, which means that first and foremost, the, the war for, for hot talent, great talent is certainly really, really red hot within our part of the industry. Um, 
and 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 highly competitive around compensation and benefits. So because because of the nature of that consolidated competitor landscape, so that's another real um, uh, challenge that we face from an HR perspective in this industry. They're very sort of complex and they're very different to other industries and gaining that sort of varied experience, I suppose, is, you know, is invaluable. How would you, I mean, how important would you say it is for HR leaders and the broader HR community to step outside of their comfort zone? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's extremely important, and I think it's really the nature of how the HR function is changing more than anything. It's not necessarily in relation to the spirits industry, but what I see becoming more and more relevant for HR executives, particularly in the business partner space, is that ability to toggle and move between being a Gen, functional generalist expert, so knowing your stuff in terms of legislative issues or requirement, local legal requirements or just being able to get through some of the more classic HR um, functional processes, um, I, I think being able to toggle that with a really truly business acumen and commercial mindset is becoming more and more relevant and important. And I think that those that that that, that is relevant regardless of which industry you're in. Um, I think being able to sit at the table agnostic to function and be able to be a relevant business leader and bring a a, a people and organisational lens and a bent to a commercial conversation is really important, but it shouldn't be the only thing that you can have a voice and be able to input on the dialogue. Um, it's equally as relevant as being able to look at organisational wiring and OE and um, and change management and change adaptivity, being able to adopt behavior to a changing mm -hmm. landscape and a changing business and be able to actually translate and understand like, what that means. And what I say to my people all the time is you have to be able to walk in a business leader or a, a professional shoes to understand what it is that they deal with every day in order that you can provide them advice and counsel from a from either from a personal perspective and organization perspective a strategic perspective you have to know what they do um, now I'm not, not going to ever know the technicalities of what somebody does in R&D but I have to have a pretty good idea about the challenges that they face from a business or a commercial perspective every day so I think that's no. the, the bigger and I think that is pushing HR leaders out of their comfort zone because what's comfortable is to sit there and talk about performance management and, and compensation and benefits and, yeah. okay, well, if we're going to move that person and promote that person and what's our, let's do a, a talent review. I think that's very comfort, comforting because you have control and, and an expertise around that. I think where I would encourage and what I encourage my own people to do is step outside of that into the commercial space to truly understand the business, be a business leader. Now, you've worked across multiple industries. You, you've also worked across um, Oceania, Asia, um, the Americas, and also you know throughout Europe in your global roles. So a really varied experience. And can you tell us how your experience working across different industries and countries has helped you become a better HR leader? Yeah, um, I think truly it's it's about perspective. Um, I think having worked in multiple different industries and. Um, seeing the way different business models operate and work with different leaders who are wired very differently depending on the environment, for example, from banking and finance to airline to state government to food to spirit. I, I think 
business leaders, um, you can say, you know, leadership is agnostic of business industry, but I think that there's a wiring and a way of thinking that is different between those. And having had some experience in partnering with leaders in different, um, in very different business models and environments has been really helpful for me to just gain a perspective. Um, that's one. And then global is, is probably no different. Again, it's, uh, it's really around perspective and, um, that cultures operate very differently. The Indonesian and more broader Asian culture operates extremely differently to a US culture, even differently to an Australian culture, different to a UK um, business culture. And I think having some of those experiences has given me perspective of the diversity within cultures and the diversity within style and approach that's associated with that culture. Um, and I think that kind of gives me a, a rich tapestry of experiences that when I'm faced with a business challenge, maybe that I haven't even dealt with before, I can step back with that and I can step back from that and I can draw on experiences from uh, from other times in my career working with different business leaders or in a different cultural context that can help me navigate and think that through. Fantastic. Now, that's a wealth of experience you definitely bring to the table in that regard. And this is quite an interesting question. Now, you know, having operated across sort of various different sort of business models, you know, industries, cultures, you know, in your opinion, what are some of the, the popular HR theories or philosophies that, that actually don't work in practice? Wow, that's a that's a great question. That could be another hour long podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I I think that there's there's theories, processes, practices, philosophies that that I've seen in different business environments work really really well and fail miserably. Um, I think there's one there's one theme and then I'll get to the two that I have a particular kind of not pet peeve but the the, the ones that I've seen um, probably fail consistently over time but I think the one thing that that exists that threads between all of the HR philosophies and practices is most definitely pragmatism if, if anything that comes and I've worked in very very practical businesses and I think more and more businesses need to be more practical as we look at you know cost cutting and increase on, on pressure around gross margin and profitability of businesses only two places on the P&L that you can you can look to to, to um, drive that and the top line is one and the bottom line and, and reduction on your SG&A or your your operating expenses, whatever you call it in your business model, is is absolutely paramount. And it tends to be in businesses today that that businesses are going for that bottom line um, uh, optimization uh, more than anything. When you take like the three G model, I mean that's what they are masters at is that optimization of that SG&A line. Right. So I think I think with that. There's not as many people within the HR function that we're asked to do more and wear more hats and people just do not have the time or capacity to take on purest HR practices or philosophies. So in my experience, the things that have worked extremely well consistently are those things that are pragmatic, are practical, uh, put tools in into the hands of leaders who can translate and actually do something with that versus something that's what we what, what I class as beautiful HR and usually beautiful HR in my experience has not worked particularly well or sustainably over time. Um, yeah. 
to come back to you, one of my specific ones or the popular ones, um, one is, is definitely around is, is performance management. And I've seen, you know, performance, purest performance management that does not tend to translate well again because in a business leader's world and in an, in an employee's world where they are tasked with a set of objectives and driving business results, beautiful performance management practice just does not enter into that. I think really pragmatic um, where it becomes about clear goals and objectives and the review of those objectives. I think where I see it fall down more often than not is translating the um, performance, the overall performance rating, call it, and regardless of how you get there, to your compensation review process and the piece that falls down every single time in my experience has been you're managing to a budget. If you've had a fantastic year, usually the, the more senior executives in your company have contributed to that success. There go, they have um, higher performance ratings, are the more expensive. It never works when you bring it into then the compensation review process where you just don't have the budget and the money to fund, giving everybody, all the more senior folks, um, a, a richer compensation review. Mm. Um, and I think the whole thing then just kind of falls apart because what business leaders say is, hang on a second, you asked me to distribute you uh, uh, against a curve. You asked me to, to reward and recognise my highest performers who happen to be my most senior people and now I can't afford to pay them. So it, it, that's the one that I've tended to have consistently over the course of my career, really challenging and difficult conversations come compensation review time because the marriage between the performance rating and your performance system into that kind of pay for performance model uh, which I philosophically agree and believe in, those two things seem to be at a, a disconnect or at, at, um, they're, they're almost um, conflicting in, in a way because ultimately there's a budget and the budget is the budget and, it's, and it becomes very, very challenging to manage against that budget, particularly when you're, well, you're either having really great business results or you're having really poor ones. Fantastic. Now, Sue, th thank you very much. Alan, thank you. Appreciate your time. That was Sue Gannon, Vice President of HR at Americas and Global Marketing at Beam Centauri, discussing with us the importance of HR and diverse experience and background. For more excellent conversations from Chapman CG, subscribe to our podcast series or check us out at chapmancg.com.